I want to start with this relationships aspect, and it's, I'm going to say there are some building blocks here. As we talk about relationships today, there are many things that I want to draw to our church's attention about relationships down the road. But as we get into this this morning, it's also important to know that if we don't talk about a relationship with God, and I think this is kind of crucial to everything we're going to discuss, if we don't anchor our relationship about God first, everything else is skewed. And that really is the premise that we're going to be moving on going forward. But to have all these other relationships to be dealt with, we have to start with the Lord. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to walk through Scripture, and this is not a chronological uh, sense. You might say uh, in, in systematic theology, at least it begins with the understanding that God has created us, and we want to deal with that concept first. In our relationship, we want to ask some questions, first of all, and primarily, why did God create us? And there are a lot of answers to that, but I want to give you some points as we walk through. The first point is he created us to have a relationship with him. Now, this is very fundamental, and I want to, I want to say something now that as we move forward, it's going to be important to know. God, would you agree, I, I hope you agree, that God has made us relational beings. Is that a fair statement? That God has made us relational. Some of you might say, well, not so much because I know so-and-so and they're a hermit. And so-and-so and they don't like anybody else or don't want to talk to anybody else. Uh, now, I, I actually think some doctrine can work in that too. But here's what I want to say about that. At its core is this truth that God has made us relational. And uh, he's made us to de even desire those things. Now, there, I, I remember one time uh, when I was preaching, and, and uh, I, boy, I forget the passage right now, uh, but it, it was a passage where um, Paul said uh, he counted those things but, but dung or refuse. And I talked about uh, the fact that nobody's going and collecting that stuff uh, because it has value. Somebody came to me after the service and said, yeah, yeah, but I, I saw some of that for sale in a store one time. I'm like, I don't know what to do with that, okay? Um, <laughs> is it fair to say just because you can do something doesn't mean you should, <laughs> okay? Um, so what I'm saying is that there may be people that say, well, I don't, I, I'm a loner. And some of us even like those you know, those documentaries where somebody's lived alone in a cabin for 30 years in the wilderness, okay? Now, that might be intriguing, but the truth is, even in that, there is something at the core of every human being that God has made you desire a relationship. And I know that in our carnality or our fallen state, that sometimes people might say, oh, yeah, well, I don't know about that, but I, I believe scriptures pretty much are clear on this, and I'm going to lay out the case for it now. So, this understanding, though, as we start with God, does have a domino effect in our relationships elsewhere. So again, to underscore, if we don't get this correct, other things won't be correct. So this is imperative to the individual. It'll have an effect upon your relationship with your wife, with your husband, with your children, with your friends, with your church family. It'll have an effect upon all those relationships, and I would say more. But let's start with Genesis chapter 1. So take your Bibles there if you would. Genesis chapter 1. God, when we ask the question, why did he create us? I'm going to argue that God created us to have a relationship with him. Now, here's a question as we begin. Did God have to create us? The doctrinal answer is no. He did not have to create us. 
However, he did. And we'll learn through our study that God is a creative God. There'll be some passages that we will look at together that will help us to see some of his creativity and why he does what he does. But I will tell you again, as we go this morning, either you're going to have a Bible app or be quick with your Bible. We're going to go to many passages. So here we are, Genesis 1, 26 through 28. He created us, first of all, to have a relationship with him. Genesis 1, 26, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Okay, so let me ask you this. Who is supposed to have dominion over the creation? And when we say dominion, we're talking about exercising power, management, and authority. Who's, who is given that authority? Mankind is given that authority. So we reject doctrinally that a slug that is about to go extinct has the same value as a human being. We also reject the idea that polar bears uh, have a greater value than human beings, that eagle eggs have a greater value than human beings. Now, does it mean when you say that, that those created things have no value? Absolutely not which is what those that would oppose the Bible, it's where they want to go. It becomes a straw man, both doctrinally and philosophically, based on the teachings of the Word of God. So man is to have that dominion. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God created him, he him, male and female created he them. Verse 28, and God blessed them. And God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And all God's people said, and if you were wondering, yes, we went through a man and not a woman earlier in the week. We dealt with that on Tuesday. Can you believe the wacky world we live in? My word. What a... <laughs> so I hope you say amen. amen. Hey, thank you. All right. So, <laughs> nothing else that was made was made in His image. Nothing else that was made was made in His image. No other created being was made with responsibilities that God gave man as a manager and caretaker of His creation. Now, I'm going to say that God, in His wisdom, navigates in the hearts of mankind. And, and, and I think this is fair to know. God even navigates in, in the lost. And, and do we as believers sometimes, well, many times, disagree with what lost people are doing? Sure, because we operate under a doctrinal platform of the Bible. But I'm just going to remind you, there's been, there have been times in history where our management of our wildlife has been woefully neglected. And there did need to be some system put in place to help our wildlife thrive. But when we go to a place today where we put animals on the same plateau or the same value as human beings, we're off concerning the Bible. You are never going to match the philosophy of the world if you are going to hug trees with the same value that you hug a human being. It's not going to happen. And we recognize, listen, I've got, I got friends that are unsaved, and they tell me quite, <clears throat> quite freely, you know, Jeff, we're probably never going to agree. And that's true. 
But the agreement isn't for us just a simple desire of, I, I think this is, this is something I want to value, and you've got something you want to value. For the believer, our values are directed on a relationship with God. He tells us who he is. He tells us what he's done. He tells us what he's like. And we as believers, if we are followers of Christ, we gladly surrender to the sovereign of all. That's where we go to. The, the unbeliever is not going to understand you, especially when there is so much so-called science that is being touted as truth and so many theories of man that has been put forward with a case behind it to say, see, this must be reality. So our reality is directed by how God has revealed himself and what he has said about himself. But what we recognize, first of all, is when we ask the question, why did God create us? Create us. He created us to have a relationship with him. And what we note is he made us uniquely. Uniquely, he has put us in a position of authority and dominion over his creation. And there is responsibility given so that we are created in the image of God. Now, Genesis 2, 7, next chapter over, you got it there. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Again, God says this about mankind that he does not say about animals. Now, that then opens up the doctrinal question, is Fido going to be in glory with you? And, and even more importantly, even more importantly, is, 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 is uh, feline whiskers going to be in glory with you? <laughs> now, I'm going to tell you just frankly what the Bible says and doesn't say about animals being in heaven. Are there going to be animals in heaven according to the Bible? Yes. Is it going to be your degenerate dog? Probably not. Okay, there is nothing in the Bible that, and especially not your cat, okay, but <laughs> that's, that's good preaching, brother. Uh, the, I know, some of you can just turn me off. You, you cat hater? Sorry, okay. I don't mind cat. I've had it with barbecue and it's okay. Um, <laughs> I've not, okay, I've not, but... I'd be willing to try it. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> I'm reminded of my daughter who's a nurse who's gotten into ducks. I never saw my oldest daughter getting married and having a duck fetish. But she raises ducks, and we have now had more of her character revealed as she raises ducks. Because what she will do is she will change. By the way, her ducks are very afraid of her. So she has to corner them, grab one, and then because it's all worked up, she has to calm it down. And she's saying to it, it'll be okay, it'll be okay, while she's got an ax behind her. She, <laughs> she's a nurse, these are your healthcare providers, okay? <laughs> uh, that's my daughter, okay. And some of you are saying, I thought this was going to be about the Bible. It will. It will. But God made man to have a soul, which means that God has also made mankind to be eternal beings. 
we having souls will live eternally somewhere. Now, the Bible doesn't call all eternal existence life. There is an eternal existence that is life that can only be found in Jesus. There's an eternal existence that is death that is found in everyone who does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And the Bible says that to die is not to cease to exist. To die has everything to do with separation. When we die physically, it is the separation of the soul from the body. When we die spiritually, it is a separation from the soul from God, but it is not the cessation of existence. Nor does the Bible teach that it is annihilation. Now that being said, God, through the doctrine of the word, has said that every living, breathing human being has a soul. And that soul is going to dwell somewhere eternally. God made us thus. Genesis 3.8. Genesis 3.8. So what we find in Genesis 2, after verse 7, we find God communing with Adam and giving him instructions about what he wants to do, wants him to do, in following God's directives, God's commands, and the caretaking of the planet and the animals. So God, in chapter 2, is now fellowshipping with Adam. It's in chapter 2 that you first learn of Adam's name, if I have that correct. And as you look at that, he's now discoursing with Adam, giving him instructions. So, God creates man. God now discourses with man, giving him instruction, and also now creating woman. But in 3.8, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Now, I don't like to do this, but I think it bears, and I'm going to say you can give grace to this. I don't like to go off into the weeds about what the Bible doesn't say. But I do want to tell you what I logically conclude from verse, chapter 3, verse 8. Chapter 3, verse 8, based on what happened in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, it's pretty clear that God made man on purpose in his image, have a soul, be like God, reflect his image, and that God was desirous of communicating with him in a different way than he communicates with others. And what we will call that for the sake of doctrine that's going to be revealed later, we're going to call that fellowship. But what we see in chapter 3 is that Adam and Eve recognized that God would visit them. This isn't the first time because when they recognize it's God, the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, Adam and his wife now hide themselves. The indicators seem to be that God would visit with Adam and Eve in ways that we don't understand or know. And there's doctrinal debate, and I really don't care. I mean, I don't want to anchor on any of that because that's a good study, but it's not the point. The point is <clears throat> that he would come from what we see here and visit with them, and the idea seems to be that he would commune with them in some way that they were used to and recognizing of because they recognized his presence. Now, when they recognize his presence, instead of what they, in doing what they would normally do, and, and being with the Lord or being in his presence, they now hide themselves. And we recognize that this is different doctrinally from what they've done before. 
So when we read in Genesis 3, 8, they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. As you read further, now you have the Lord asking, where are you? And it isn't a question of God not knowing where they are, but he is noting, and for our benefit, that they were hiding from him. All right? Now, what does hiding indicate? So my kids have heard this, and especially the older they get. My younger, they'll hear it in preaching here, but my older kids will hear this, especially as they transition into being older teens and adults. And I tell them, if you want to be respected as an adult, and if you want to have a good relationship in the family, you cannot hide. You cannot have a platform of, I've got this area in my life that I'm kind of keeping out of the view of my parents. Because this is my arena. The, uh, by the way, I'm going to tell you, parents, you probably want to be having that conversation with your kids earlier than later, because I've already heard some kids in our church say, in a, in a lighthearted way, I, my parents don't know anything about this, in the sense of what mom or dad may know. And, and here's what I'm saying. When we hide in our relationships, do we have a good relationship? If you're hiding something from your wife that you're keeping secret that you don't want her to know, and I'm not talking about next year's anniversary present, I'm talking about things in your life that aren't supposed to be there. When you start hiding, what you're speaking about is a broken relationship. Amen? That's what you've got. And that's exactly what happened with Adam and Eve. They had a broken relationship, they were hiding, and they had broken the fellowship they had with, with the Lord. Now, we're going to transition why did God create us? Well, we have as a theme, and you want to turn here to 1 John chapter 1. We have as a theme verse. This is the theme verse of the church. <clears throat> it's the theme passage of the church. 1 John chapter 1, verse 3 in particular, but we will read verses 1 through 3. Excuse me. First John chapter one, would you read verses one through three out loud with me? First John chapter one, verses one through three, beginning now. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life, for the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Now, I don't want to get too far in this. We'll probably come back to this passage. But in short, there's this invitation to come and fellowship with those who know the Lord and that for believers... Our fellowship is based on a relationship with the Lord. But in verse 3, there you have that she also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. In other words, we are created so that we will have fellowship with this Lord, with this God, who's made a way for us to be saved and to enter into that relationship. Now take your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 9. 
1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 9. Just one verse in this passage, verse 9 that I'm sharing. <clears throat> so chapter 1 and verse 9, and if you're not there, I apologize. I'm going to read it for sake of time. God is faithful by whom you were called unto the what? Unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, that fellowship of his son is a, is, a, is a euphemistic, the word I would use, phrase that would tell us these were people as believers who had come to Christ in salvation. They were broken, they were outside of God, they are now reconciled through Jesus, and they are in relationship with God through the person of Christ. We know from the gospel message, this is why Christ came into the world. Christ came to provide a way for us to be in a relationship with God when that relationship was broken. So when the relationship was broken, Adam and Eve did what? We already discussed it. What'd they do? They hid. They hid because the relationship was broken. Judgment falls. They now experience death. The world experiences the curse. And we have ever since experienced that. But in that broken state... God desiring to bring, bring us into a place of fellowship recognizes our brokenness through our sin and he goes to the cross and he dies on the cross in our place. And Romans 10, 13 as a summary of all that says, for whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that is idea there is to be rescued from that broken relationship and all the consequence eternally that's going to come with it. Should I take this phone call now? Probably not. Okay. Um, the idea of the gospel then is that you and I are outside of the, of the grace of God in our darkness while we're rejecting him as our savior. But Christ, through his love, makes a way for us to be saved and there's the only way and it's through his shed blood and by the proof of his resurrection that who he said he was, he truly was, and what he said he would do, he truly did. And just like these three boys got baptized today, these three boys, each one of them recognized that they needed to place their faith in Christ as their Savior. By the doctrine of the Word of God, they were broken, they were outside of God, but through the gospel, they have been restored to a relationship with the Savior where he promises them forgiveness of all sin and a home in heaven eternally. That's the promise of a restored relationship. Now, what does that look like? Adam and Eve hid, and it's exactly what all sinners do when they look into the face of a holy God. They want to hide. Now, this side of it, there'll be many people who won't hide. There'll be many people that will be audacious and braggadocious and filled with themselves. I just saw a, a, a testimonial uh, through an interview last night where there was a Jew that was giving the reasons that they wouldn't accept Jesus as being Savior. And here was a statement at the end of it. He had two reasons, which, of course, neither one of them were any good. But he had two reasons why he was going to reject Jesus. But here was, here was his loose statement. His loose statement was, that is unacceptable. In other words, Jesus putting on human flesh, that was one, he, one thing he objected to. And the second thing that Jesus would abolish or that Jesus would fulfill the law so that we are not under the Judaic system of law. Those two things were his reasons. And then he went on to say, that is unacceptable. Imagine 
standing before the holy king of kings who spoke everything into existence and you say to him, your plan was unacceptable. What a horrific statement. So to this side, this side of standing in front of God, there may be people who are braggadocious about their position, but understand this, God recognizes all of us as broken and all of us need saving, and if it wasn't for Christ, we would be hopelessly lost. So God invites us into that relationship. God invites us into his family. It's why I quoted John 1.12 with the young boys. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become what? The sons of God. Even to them that what? That believe on his name. So nobody is born into heaven because you're a part of a Christian family. Nobody's born into heaven because you were baptized. Nobody's born into heaven because you were a good person. It is only through the grace and mercy of a Savior who died for you, offered to you as a gift, and dependent upon your reception of that gift. So this morning, you either stand saved or lost, and it's all based on your relationship with the God of this book. 1 John 1, 3 is that plea, come into fellowship with us, not because we are any good, but because we know the Savior. And let me say for you, I know this is a little bit of a commercial, but this time of fellowship that we have in our church that's been broken because of COVID, why does it matter to us? This is where we are ministering Christ in us to one another. And I would say every Sunday when we come together, it's not the good of us that we are seeing. We are looking for Jesus and each other. And it's the Jesus in each other that makes this place encouraging. It's magnifying the Lord that makes us beautiful. If you were to look at each one of us, we are absolutely sin-stained. But by being a child of God, he lives in us, which is going to come up later. He dwells in us. He works in us to conform us to his image. And we magnify Christ. That's what this place is about. It's about coming into fellowship with Jesus. Colossians 1, 16 is our next passage. Now, all of these passages have taken us through page one. Why did God create us? He created us to have a relationship with him. He created us for himself and for his glory. We would be remiss if we were to talk about our creation or why we're here if we didn't recognize the sovereign hand of God and what he decided he wanted to do. And so scriptures tell us why he created us. Scriptures tell us in Colossians 1.16. Do you have it? Colossians 1.16. All right, Colossians 1.16, reading out loud with me. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Read the last three words. And for him. All things, all things were created by him and for him. How broken are we as people? How broken is this country? <laughs> not, a, not a fair question because I think most of you here, if you follow the Bible, you probably have a very conservative view of life. And if I was to ask you, are you really hopeful about the next administration? 
Are you really hopeful about, uh, by, uh, again, this is just me, and I know that Christians have been divided over this. I had quite a rankle with someone who I frankly barely know, but of course it was a Facebook discussion and we're friends. Um, but but we, had, we had a discussion, and back in the day before the election, they were saying Trump and Biden are just the same. Uh, and, and this is me, just me. Uh, uh, no, and again, we always have to say this. Nobody's saying Trump is a saint or we agree with everything that he's done. But Trump and Biden being the same, I think, what planet are you living on? That's me. That, don't amen that because I don't know. I'm just, uh, <laughs> but, but what I'm saying is that we're messed up people. And we look at what's happening in the future, and we have administration people now who not only for years have been behind killing of babies, but there is further demonstration of the wickedness of the heart of man. It's not just killing babies. It's all over the place. And it's about squashing truth. Now, why do people do that? I believe they do it because they are under a spiritual power. I believe there is a, an influence in the world that is given and allowed by God and it's the influence of Satan that is influencing this world. The Bible calls it principalities and powers. And if you ever want to, want to know why today's uh, movement of liberalism and anti-God has such energy, it's because it is spiritually empowered. And here you are, and I want to caution you. You have a balance here. You need to stand for what's right. Be careful to stand for what's right in a Christ-likeness. I think Brother Greg read a passage today before we started our service that would summarize some of what that looks like. But be careful. Be careful about, see, now they called you. Whoever was called me, now they're on you, okay? Um, but here's the thing. We are navigating this world, and it is a dark world. If the world rejected the Savior who is on the planet, manifesting who he was, manifesting his miracles, do you think they're going to be friends with those who are followers of Christ today? So have a backbone, walk in faith, and live for Jesus anyway. Now, we were created by him and for him. So when you look at why we were created, he created us for himself. Now, I also want to challenge all of everybody that's hopeless today for whatever reason. If you are hopeless, your eyes are not on Jesus. Get your eyes on Christ, the great sovereign of all. He is not surprised by the workings of the world. He's not, he's not somehow befuddled by the workings of the world. He not only has a plan, but he is working his plan, and he will accomplish all of his holy will. So in this time, we're going to trust this God who made us for his glory for himself. When I say for his glory, it takes us to the next passage. Most people reference Revelation chapter 4 verse 11 and that's where we'll go. Revelation 4 verse 11. Why did God create us? He created us to have a relationship with him. He created us for himself and he created us for his glory. Revelation 4:11 is a good verse for all of us to read out loud. So Revelation 4.11, would you read it with me? Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. And all God's people said, 
God will magnify his name. Make no mistake. God will magnify his name. Again, the great king of kings made us because he's a glorious God. And and by the way, we understand this, right? Let's talk about doctrine here of creation. So so here here we are today in history, and we're looking forward and we're blind as a bat, okay? We think we know. All right. Big time out here, uh, and and I'll come back to this. Okay, there I'm seeing theories posed today about Trump is still going to be president, and and I'm, I'm telling I'm, I'm I'm I get this stuff from our people quite regularly, and what I'm saying is that there's cases being made of, of how that's going to happen. You know where I am? I, I just don't have any blessed idea. I really don't know. I would say this with the little that I think I know. If he was to take the presidency, I don't think we've seen what a riot looks like. (laughs) I was talking to uh, one of our sisters in the Lord, and I said, if that was the case, you better buy your toilet paper. (laughs) Right? So I've said only time is going to tell. Only time is going to tell. And it doesn't make anybody wrong for, you know, pursuing those things and, and trying. I think we're all desperate to find the truth, but here we, here's where we are. God is the one who knows tomorrow. And so in our today, we need to be reconciled to the God of this book. And that our lives would be given over to him in surrender where we recognize we are created for his pleasure. So here's the doctrinal platform. God knew before he created us, he knew Adam and Eve would fall. Carl Mann hears that truth and says, if I were God, I would not have done that. And you know that the postulating there is, I would be a better God than the God of the Bible. Do you hear that? If I were God, I would have not allowed that to happen. I would not have created beings who, who could have fallen and rejected and then the world been uh, overwhelmed with the curse of sin. Listen, you better be thankful there's a God who knows better than you. And if you haven't learned that yet, God will humble you to bring you to that point eventually. The Bible's promises that, listen, every what? Every knee will bow. All those that are postulating today with fists in the face of God, hating the Bible, these people that say stupid, I'm sorry, kids, I'm not supposed to say that word, uh, things like amen and a woman, you know, people that say things like that, you know, you can defy God all you want. God has given you that freedom to do so, but there is a judgment. And the God of the Bible is calling the world to the Redeemer, calling the world to be rescued. And by the way, if, if this world has not shown you why you should never have the confidence in what man says, I don't know when you'll ever see that. Quite literally, no matter how smart we think we are, When we defy the scriptures, we literally are taking the cane and walking through the dark blind. When we walk against the word of God, there is no measure to which we can go into darkness. 
But God, who knew man would fall, God, who knew the violence of the world, which truly is violent, the God who knew the suffering that would be in the world created us anyway because he is God He has a plan, and his plan is to magnify his name upon the earth. There's never been a king like Jesus, and there never will. There's never been anyone, no matter how powerful they thought they were, that could shine in any kind of a glimmer against the brightness of Christ. He is supreme over all. This morning, I'm inviting in this first service of relationship to know why you're here. Your life is is made so that you would know the God who created you. Your life was formed so that you could be in a relationship with the with a God who is too powerful for us to even comprehend. We can state the facts. We can say, Genesis 2, 7, that Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, but we have no blessed idea how God in miracles can do something like that. He just did. And he did it, as we understand from the Bible, ex nihilo, out of nothing. So this morning, we're stepping into relationships. We're stepping into the doctrine of relationships and the dominoes fall everywhere in your life. But here's what I wanna ask you before we're done. In this room, throughout this auditorium and certainly in the world, there is a sense of brokenness by many over relationships. There is certainly a sense that our world is broken. I would tell you, I think the world recognizes that too. Many in the world recognize, it almost seems like that everything's to a boiling point where there's going to be like a grand eruption. And you can be taken to a place of worry over what's going to happen. You can take be taken to a place of feverish pitch of, I'm going to be prepared this time, I'm going to be prepared this time. Listen, we better have a position of trusting God. We better have a position of knowing him. Pastor Phil said it in the announcements, and with this, I'm done. We have 2021 in front of us, okay? Last year is an incredibly unusual year. I, for one, don't want to repeat it. And while I don't know what is going to happen this year, there's a reason you got in your mail, email today, a calendar of events. And as Pastor Phil said, it's not all the events that we may put on the calendar. But while we're here and while we have time, you pray for us, we'll pray for you, and let's partner together to do something for Christ until he comes for us or we go to him. Amen? Why are you here? To have a relationship with this king. If you don't know Christ, I'd love to talk to you about how you can be reconciled to the God who you've been been resisting. 
I'd love to show you from the scriptures how you can be saved. But if you're a believer, do not leave this place. I challenge you, don't leave this place discouraged or in fear about tomorrow. Let's be purposeful about what we have in front of us. And let's, depending upon God, do what we can until he takes us home.